Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Before we begin, I want to remind you about our ad-free option. Go to It's a Good Life on the Apple Podcast app. You'll see a banner under the logo to remove ads and unlock early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life, and here's our man, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Today, we have a very special guest. She's a great lady. Her name is Amanda Gore. She's an Aussie. She's the CEO of the Joy Project, author of the book, Joy is an Inside Job. She's actually one of four Australians inducted into the USA Speaker Hall of Fame. And in fact, she'll be joining us on stage at Mastermind this August in San Diego, where we'll be helping all of you put the joy back into the journey. Amanda Gore, welcome to the show. We're delighted to have you. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Everybody says that, but honestly, with two Irish guys on the line <laughs> first, I've had a great yep. time already. Yep. She's uh, been hanging out with David Lally, so I apologize to our audience for that. It's like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and if I slip up saying yeah, anything yep. naughty... Yeah, he does. He encourages the worst in people. He just does. He's a good man. So let's dive <laughs> right in here. You know, you've been studying joy for over 20 years. Talk to me. Talk to our audience. What is joy and how is it different from happiness? Well, you know, it took me a long time to try to be able to answer that question. But I think at this point in my life, ancient as I am, uh, the difference is largely about happiness is something we're all seeking. It's like I'll be happy when, but I'm not happy now. But I will be happy if I have more money, more cars, more everything. And and I think I've come to learn, Brian, and goodness knows, I would not call myself, even though I wrote the book, an authority, because I probably now, as I've just moved to the States, am learning an even deeper layer of what joy means. And I actually am, I thought a while ago, joy is really a sense of inner peace. And things can be bad around you, but people can still be joyful in that environment. And and I've refined it a bit just in the last few weeks, although I speak a lot about this, that the most important thing in life is how you feel about yourself. And now I'm kind of ramping it up because I'm going through it. You would think I'd have learned it by now, is who you really are. And and I think part of this journey that we're all going through, and I think this is, if you're human, this is the journey. It's about learning who you are and being okay with that. And, you know, actually, people talk about self-love, and I'm still struggling with that one, but I think it's feeling good about who you are. And even if you don't really know deeply who you are, feeling good about what you do each day and how you treat other people. And as my mentor, David Martin, says, you know, are you being the person you want to be in that moment? And I think if you keep working at that and focusing on that, joy kind of... um, uh, comes behind you. You know, there's that old story about a kitten chasing its tail. That's like happiness. You know, the happiness is at the end of the tail and the kitten keeps chasing, never catches it. Well, you know, they asked uh, Rockefeller, how much does it take for a man to be truly happy? And he was the richest man in the world at the time. He said, just a little more than he has, right? And the word ego can be most yeah. basically defined, right? Old Freud gave us the word ego, but it can be defined by the word more. And it's more of this and more of that. And then you also said, like, once I get here. And I I love the fact, by the way, 
because I interview all authors and we have all kinds of speakers at all of our events. And of course, people want to be authoritative and definitive. But I think it's extremely refreshing and also far more true when someone who is an expert on a subject says, yeah, I've learned this and here's what I'm still learning and I'm not sure about this part of it yet. Because I think it is an ongoing game. I think many people are full of anxiety and stress in this life today because they're chasing this impossible to find word of happiness. I feel like there's moments of happiness. There's expressions of happiness. But joy is that deeper, deeper felt thing. Let, let me ask you this. Why'd you start studying in the first place? Why'd you get into this? Okay, so we're going to get even more cosmic and real. Uh, I moved from Australia. This is my second time in the States. So I moved here on the 5th of December again. But I was here for about 10 years. And my ex and I moved to Vermont. And I knew, I just kind of knew, Brian, I never consciously thought, oh, wow, I think I'm going to become an expert in joy. Uh, I have just, um, in the only place in my life, kind of gone with the flow of how things unfolded in front of me. And I, But at some stage I knew I was supposed to write a book on joy and I didn't have trouble writing books before. I, I tried and tried and tried and tried and I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. We moved to Vermont and I woke up one morning having had a dream and my mum had died not much before then, and and I, I don't know if it was a, dr- I don't know what it was, but anyway, I'm saying it's a dream. And I heard this, I'll put a writing committee together and help you write the book. All you have to do is meditate every morning. Now I didn't meditate much either. I'd you know done all the meditation, just didn't do it, like the courses, but didn't do it. And so I thought, wow, that's different. All right then, nothing else has worked. And so I sat down the next morning and I meditated and I went to the computer and I wrote about 30 pages. And the book was done in about, I don't know, five, six weeks. All the best stuff is. And it's a fat book. All the best stuff is. All the best songs are. I mean, it's called inspiration. You know, people call it all kinds of things and they have all kinds of names for it. But at the end of the day, it was beyond yourself. Yeah, pretty much Were you a joyful person at that time? Did you consider yourself a joyful person? No. No, I tell you, Brian, one of the biggest, and I know we've got questions, but I think this is a more relevant story. One of the biggest journeys of my life was to go from truly believing I was being authentic. Because when I first started speaking, like literally 35 years ago, um, my my mentor then was Ron Tacky, still the best speaker I've ever seen. I've ever seen. He's dead now, but he was the best speaker I'd ever seen. And uh he introduced, he mentored me and introduced me to lots of famous speakers and I was like, wow. And what I noticed was so many of them were one thing on stage and completely different off stage. And I thought I never want to be like that. So I determined that I would always be uber authentic. Well, you know what I did? I only found this out like six years ago when my entire life turned upside down, was that I had taken the persona of me on stage Instead of bringing me, Amanda, onto stage, I took persona and put it into Amanda. And since, like seriously, six years ago I started working on this, and it's so fascinating, Brian, because I truly believed I was authentic. I've done the work on myself. I don't believe I do anything different on stage. It doesn't feel different, but the, the, the impact is completely different. I would never have imagined it because I couldn't see it in myself. So the story for someone listening in the podcast 
is if you even if you don't know you're not being authentic ask people and and see if off at work and at home do you match well and again it, it, you know you're talking about image you're talking about identity you know i'm 37 years around the speaking business and it's a trail of tears for the most part and to do it authentically without manipulation or without just pure modality where you become the robot yeah you know i there are world famous speakers that i sat down and had lunch with who when I was having a conversation with them, and I'd heard their talk 20 times, in private conversation when I'm having the talk with them, they're giving me their shtick. And I'm like, yeah. you know, what are we doing here? You know, like, I don't need to have lunch to do this. You know what I mean? And No, I heard you already. Yeah, right. I, you know, that was already there. 20 times. What happened that you said six years ago, you kind of, things went upside down. What, what happened there? Well, I met this fellow called David Martin, an extraordinary man. That's why I'm in Charlottesville. And, um, he does a series of workshops that are the deepest dives into who you are. And so I started doing some work with him. And David just asked me a whole lot of questions. And some of this I'll be talking about at the conference, not this story, but the core fears that run us and the stories that we tell ourselves. And he looked at me one day and he said, hmm, you've lived 62 years of your life based on the story of a two-year-old. Do you want to keep going? Well, I looked at him and I said a word that I shouldn't say on the podcast and then I went, uh, no, uh, no. And then I had to start, I had to re-examine everything, right? And I'm still working on it. There, I, I would love to say <laughs> I'm refining it, but I'm not. I'm still working on it. And an, uh, an opportunity has just arisen in my life to actually really look at it again and face a whole lot of fears. And it's not just moving country again with no kind of set plan. It's even, it's deeper than that. So that's what triggered it. And I've been working on it ever since. Not every day, you know, but I'm trying to stay really present because he'd said to me, you've never been present a minute in your life. Oh, haven't I? Oh, all right then. And that's, you even talk about it. Like, I think that authenticity is really when you're comfortable with your imperfections and then you actually recognize that part of that authenticity is the making of you and then you bring it out to the forefront. I actually think you do a great job of that because I can spot a phony 50 miles away because I've been so awash in it for so many years and I think you do a great job of that when you present and when you speak and it's very joyful. And when I think about this, like, you know, people are listening to this today. What, What is it that stops us from being joyful? And people are like, "What? how the hell does this have anything to do with your business? Well, I just know this, as a leader of my business and the spokesperson for my company, when I'm just taking on water all the time and beat up and banged up, I mean, that's the energy I give to my staff, my customers, an audience. And that's why so many people fake it till they make it because they can't really give the real thing. What is it that stops us being joyful? You know, let me just congratulate you because David or Lally, I'm not sure what you call him, was saying he has been so happy in this job the whole time. He just loves it. That's 20 years, you know, and you weren't even listening, so he wasn't sucking up. Um, <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that's absolutely critical. Uh, so when, the you know, your entrepreneurs are setting up their businesses, they focus on strategy and planning and uh, all the technical business things, and that's really important, but they forget they're dealing with humans. And and the thing that and and I'll use me as the example again. Again, I don't really talk about this on stage, but um, of the three core fears that were kind of downloaded into me one day while I was on stage, 
uh, I had the trifecta. And the most pressing one was that I told myself as a toddler between zero to seven in, in epigenetics, we've we know that that's the time frame when children are basically hypnotized, their brains are in theta pattern. And things happen around us that as toddlers, you don't have a chance to, you don't have any idea how to interpret what's going on. You can't understand other people's, mummy yells at you, you think that's it, I'm done, mummy hates me, my life's over. So we tell ourselves the stories. Well, I grew up in India and I had an alcoholic father and a mother who, um, struggled living with him I think and she actually left for a year well I didn't know that till she died and I found out from the man she went to spend some time with the the whole story so that made more sense as I started working on myself to work out which of the stories I told myself so when I had constantly told myself I wasn't worth loving I wasn't safe um, that I was worthless because I ramped it up I didn't stick with the ordinary fee I fear I ramped it up to worthless and and that ties into what we were talking about just a bit earlier Brian in that David said to me one day this is really harsh looking at yourself uh, you've made tens of thousands of people feel worthless all over the world oh what 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 do you mean and that was horrific that was the last thing I ever wanted to do and he said yeah, they look at you on stage and they think you've got it all together and that you're portraying this image and blah de blah de blah. And I didn't think I was portraying an image. I was really trying to be authentic. And and I worked out at the end of it who you are inside, your essence, emanates out. So what's emanating now from me on stage is a very different um, or a more pure version of the essence because those fears cover your essence and create that um, persona. And when you're at work, if you're not joyful, as you said, everyone picks it up. You know, everybody goes, oh, the boss is in. Oh, did you see his face? He's in a terrible mood. She, oh, she's going to be bad today. And the thing that steals the joy is the stories we tell ourselves that have been built on those original core fears, core stories that are lies. They're not the truth. And the longer you have them operating, like I was 62 when I met David. They've been operating a long time. So they they kind of embedded themselves into millions of little, I call them pus balls. And I'm still dealing with the pus balls now, but I'm further along. And, and I can be at peace a lot more often. And I can really break out at times and have fun and show it to others. And I think that's great. I've done some of this work and um, not with your fella. When I was about nine years old, my dad said to me, I was one of six kids, and he goes, well, you're the one I don't have to worry about. And he meant that as a compliment, right? He's like, you're the go-getter. You're the one I don't have to worry about. So how did I interpret that? You're the one I don't worry about. You're on your own, you know? And I became an extraordinarily self-reliant, uber-driven guy who always was, you know, the Darth Vader in Star Wars, I'll take him myself. And I was always on me to do it, which became very, how does that show up? That shows up in, I'd rather rely on myself than rely on a team or the organization or the company. Oh, the company's in trouble. I'll go on the road and do a bunch of seminars, you know, as opposed to, no, no, how about I bring a team? How do you guys think? It's taken me decades to learn how to collaborate, you know, bring people along, find out their ideas, have them execute the idea, build a plan and delegate and let them run. And again, this is why it's worth doing the deeper work and find out, okay, 
something as simple as that that was meant as a compliment, by the way, for an Irish house painter, as was my dad, giving me a compliment. You're the one I don't have to worry about. And that got translated into something else that became this massive driving force. So it's powerful stuff. Let me ask you this when, you know, we got all these folks coming to Mastermind. When you go to your, your typical audience, what is it you're hoping that someone's going to take away from an hour with Amanda Gore? What are you hoping like they will feel or experience? Great question. So I'm going to sound cosmic again, but I actually don't have any agenda, Brian. And the weirdest thing, since I've been working at this level, I almost can't prepare. Like I, I obviously do prepare a little, but honestly, even minutes, this, this might worry the whole team, by the way, uh, minutes before I'm about to go on stage, I don't know how I'm going to start because I always sit in and I integrate and I tune into the field because, you know, I studied, I, I mix quantum physics, epigenetics, neuroscience and emotional intelligence all together. And if you kind of blend those, I, I sense the field, I sense where the people are, and then I start and I see my job as creating an environment in which people can get the information or what they need, the information they need or what it is that they need in their lives at that time because they already know it. Maybe I can make them laugh about themselves or they get an aha moment about the core fears. Or And by the way, I will just say because I don't know how much time I've got, but I really run out of time fast with these things, especially when I'm interacting with the audience. Um, so with these stories, if I tell you now, will you be disappointed if I say again no, on the no, stage? Okay, so the three core fears, so you can start talking to your children about this because it's really important. Um, I'm not worth loving or I'm not good enough. Lots of women get I'm not good enough and the, uh, lots of men get that one and the women get I'm not worth loving, but both sexes get both. And, and that's the one I ramped up to I'm worthless and uh, I'm responsible for everyone. That, that's a longer story. The second one is I'm unsafe in some way, which is really common if you had an alcoholic or a mentally unwell parent uh, or even a difficult environment like we're growing up in today, the kids are growing up in. And the third is that I'm separate, So the ki- which is really the big one. But the bottom line is we're never separate. P- part of the journey to joy is to recognising we're never separate, never because we're all part of the field, but it's hard to get your head around if you're just human. And the the three questions to ask yourself to try to dive to the fears, which is why I said them, because you've got to have a sense of the fears, is to work out what story am I telling myself? So for you, you managed to work out, you were telling yourself, well, he just doesn't care. Um, I've got to do it all myself. No one's ever going to help me because we expand those. Uh, the second is when did it start? So you remember when. It's interesting because when I I do some coaching, and when I talk to people about this, you can tell the second, they, they know which fear it is or which ones because it can be one or two or three. And if they can work out when it started. And then the third question David gave me, uh, which is a really critical one, who benefited? And if you work out, for, in my case, my mother benefited because I spent my entire life until she died looking after her. She was a lovely woman. This has not been critical of my mum. But I looked after her. I did everything. I paid for things I, as soon as I got successful. Um, 
or as soon as I had some money, I should say. And uh, if you work out who benefits, you kind of get an aha moment of, oh, well, I didn't benefit from that. That doesn't work for me too well. How would I like to be? And it usually shows up, Brian, these fears in patterns in your life. So those of you who are listening, look for the patterns. For me, it was relationships. Like I looked to all intents and purposes that I was uber successful. I had a great speaking career. I was doing well with money, you know, had a gorgeous, handsome husband, and I was in good shape. I looked to all intents and purposes, but I was destroying it because of these stories I kept that I didn't even know I was telling myself. So if you see the patterns, they're the clue to the stories you're telling yourself, which you can then go, okay, that's the story. When did it start? Who benefited? And what story would I prefer to tell myself? Powerful. That's powerful stuff. And again, like you say, you know, it's about going a little deeper and then finding out, hang on a second here. You know, I I had this phrase years ago, just being myself is good enough to be great. And when you start peeling away the layers of the onion, which is the thing we're most terrified of, especially in the speaking business. Oh, my God, what if they actually saw me with all my frailties and foibles and would they listen to me at all? And I watch you and I fall down cracking up laughing when I see you present because you're able to present. And I think humor is key to talk about these difficult issues in a way that people can receive it. And when you make a bit of fun of yourself and go through it, I think it disarms people. But ultimately, when we break these, when we get to the knowledge, we become aware we break the pattern, it's like cutting a rope on an anchor, you know? For me, like I have a company today that coaches all these people all over the world. Well, the reason I was able to do that was when I realized it wasn't all up to me. And that, hang on a second, there's people who are actually very talented at a lot of things that I can't even do. Like a lot of things I can't do. In fact, most things I can't do. And when (laughs) I empowered those- I bet the boys are laughing. Yeah, and when I empowered those people and, and- if I hadn't have gone to do the work wow. and realized that it's not all on me and that I'm going to be the hero, because the other thing about that is when you're the hero, you also need all the glory and the credit. And then you also take on all the responsibility, which makes you just a miserable, complaining son of a gun. And so that's why this stuff is very powerful to do the work, recognize the cause, what's the story, what's the pattern, because otherwise you're self-sabotaging yourself and you package it all in such a fun way and a powerful way, and a genuinely transparent way. And I think anybody who listens to this show today is going, I like her because she's telling the truth, and you're just unabashedly yourself, you know, and you do a great job of it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. You have no idea how important that is for me to hear today. Thank you. You're welcome. No wonder you've made a fun company. But, but reinforcing what you said too, Brian, because if there are entrepreneurs listening this, I guarantee gazillions of them will have this. I've got to do it all myself. Everybody else is an idiot. Oh, they're going to mess it up. Oh, I got to, it'll only be done perfectly if I do it. Pig's ass, as we say in Australia. Exactly. Because um, that's not the case. And and the other day I was um, doing some more research for a presentation I was doing because I don't have set speeches. And uh, it reminded me of Simon Sinek talking about Barry Waymiller. You ever heard of the Barry Waymiller company? Have you... Uh, do you guys all know about it? Because I don't want to. No, no, but it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great to share that. Yeah. Well, Bob Chapman, I think, is the name of the guy who uh, has run it for a long time. It's a family owned company that's a multi billion dollar global organization that grew through acquisition. So it's not like it, they've grown and, and, um, uh, it's been internal. So they've had all these different cultures come in. 
but the company is extraordinarily successful because Bob Chapman says everyone matters. And that I remember the original phrase, I think Simon Sinek said it one day when I was speaking on a thing with him, um, we are developing great people to do extraordinary things. And with that as a philosophy and a kind of a credo, it just brings you back. Like, I, I get so frustrated, Brian. We go to events and things like that and you hear all these these kind of really serious speakers and they're in good suits or St. John's outfits or things like that, and and they talk about just the business stuff, which I know is important. However, you're in business with humans and understanding humans and human fears and and I have another mentor called Michael Grinder, who would also be great for you to interview. He's probably the world's leading authority on nonverbal communication. And, and he gave me permission to talk about this. So Michael talks about three little, imagine three little stick chairs in a row. I put my white, my flip chart here to write on, but I haven't got time. So we got three little chairs in a row. And in the first chair is the fear, oh no, is the behavior that you want to change in somebody. And part of a leader's job is to help people change their behavior. But in the next chair, driving that behavior is the fear. And if you go to the next chair, it's the need that if you feel it takes away the fear, it changes the behavior. And the more special people feel, the more cared for they feel, the more you touch their hearts, the more you come from your heart with genuine, authentic gratitude for them. Uh, And, of course, if there are people you do need to get rid of, that has to be done with compassion as well. But there are times when people have to go. But those that stay... If you treat them like that, it makes for a joyful workplace because we're human and we need tribes. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, it's fabulous stuff. There's a lot more of it coming. I know we have thousands of you registered to come to Mastermind. You're going to get to see her in person. She's a joy. She's already asked, can I sit through the whole seminar so she can find out what's going on and plug in and that'll be great. And so I mentioned to you, I have five questions I asked everybody, which you hate, which will be fantastic. Because Did we run out of time? No, no, you tried to yeah, run the clock I, out. You tried to run the clock out. On it. I did. You know, no way. <laughs> I'm not letting you off the hook. So I'm going to ask you these questions because we're going to get pure, spontaneous Amanda Gore here, which is what I'm after anyway. Uh-oh. So let's, let me ask you the first question. What's the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten? When you go on stage, have fun. Because if you have fun, they'll have fun. Yeah. Who gave you that, by the way? Ron Tacky, who is the, yep. my mentor, the first speaker. Nice. Brilliant. Brilliant. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Staying present in every moment and doing what David has uh, exhorted me to do for a very long time, slowing down to the speed of consciousness. Mm, staying present. Powerful stuff. What book has been most instrumental for you? Whoa, that's a tough one because there's so many. Um, more recently, I suppose a book called The Great Human Potential by Tom Kenyon. It's only small, but it's a and it's quite an esoteric sort of a book, but it was great. I love it. I've gotten two speaker referrals and a book referral on this. I feel like I'm doing much better than I started Score. out this morning. With- Score. Okay, so let I know you're not a big TV watcher, but let's say you're scrolling through the TV and there's one movie. And every time it's on, you stop and watch either all of it or a bit of it. What's the one movie you watch over and over again? 
I don't even know that I can answer that because I hardly ever watch movies. I know. I cry too much or I get too scared. I can't even go to the cinema. <laughs> I, I go with my goddaughter in Australia who's like four and and we're watching Bambi and <laughs> in the middle of it, I, I it's, it's very scary, isn't it, darling? She looks at me and goes, yeah, it's pretty scary. And I have to put my fingers in my ears and hum. You know? It's like Bambi. Oh, so I'm man. sorry. Good, I'm good. A Gaia, maybe a Gaia show, but not, yeah. not movies. Fabulous. Last but not least, Amanda Gore, what does a good life mean to you? Oh, you don't ask simple questions. No, dear. Who gives you a one-word an- one <laughs> answer to that? Nobody. Yeah. I would absolutely love to know at a very deep level with great confidence who I really am and live that. There it is. There it is. Great stuff. You're a wonderful woman. You blessed us today. We're so excited to have you in San Diego, August 9th and 10th. I can't wait. If you want to get one of the last seats available for Mastermind, go to itsagoodlife.com slash mm. August 9th and 10th, we're going to be in San Diego with Amanda and a whole bunch of great presenters for an awesome time. And someone who's been pretty authentic in my life, my whole life, is my mom, Therese Buffini. I was talking to her this morning. She's 92 years of age. Oh, She was the counterbalance to me, Dad. He'd say, you're the one I don't have to worry about. And she'd say, get off the cross. We need the wood. And uh, <laughs> She sounds awesome. She is. And she leaves us all with a great little Irish blessing uh, to finish each episode. So here she is. Take it away. The authentic Therese Buffini. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, team. Thanks, Amanda. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back may the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face and until we meet again may God hold you in the hollow of his hand see you next time (laughs) 